welcome back to episode 26 of the Biased Opinion Sports Podcast. I'm here with PJ, talking some MLB playoffs. Uh, we'll give our NBA season preview predictions and stuff. And at the end, we'll um, trash on Sam Darnold, who had one of the worst quarterback quarterbacking performances of the last decade last night. So let's get into it. PJ, start us off with MLB. Yeah, World Series Game 1 starts tonight between the uh, Houston Astros and Washington Nationals. Nationals beating the Dodgers to get to this point, uh, beating Clayton Kershaw in the bottom of the eighth inning in Game 5. The Dodgers choke. Then the Nationals rolled through the Cardinals, sweeping them in four games, which is very non-competitive series. Nationals are here because of their starting pitchers, uh, Strasburg, Scherzer, Corbin, Anibal Sanchez, four very good starting uh, starting pitchers. Then the Houston Astros had a dramatic series win over the New York Yankees with Jose Altuve hitting a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth inning in game six after the Astros uh, blew the lead and the Yankees tied it in the top of the ninth. Very dramatic. Some people thought it was rigged just for the <laughs> ratings to get MLB more interesting. I think I think it'll be an interesting series. Uh, Houston has only three stars, but they're very good. Garrett Cole, uh, Justin Verlander, and Zach Ranke. And usually they'll do a bullpen game in game four, which is like where the bullpen just pitches. I think I think the Nationals are getting very underrated here. They're a very good team. They beat the Dodgers. And since like May, they've been one of the best teams in baseball. They started off slow, which is why the record isn't as good as the Astros. But ever since, they've been very good. And also, they have the Bryce Harper effect where Bryce Harper leaves and all of a sudden they become World Series contenders. So I think... I'm going to go out on a limb. I think the Nationals are going to win this series in six games. And I think their starting pitching will be the difference. And they'll beat uh, Houston, They'll beat Verlander one or two times. And they'll beat Zach Ranke in the bullpen. Um, yeah, I don't really have a prediction on who's going to win. Uh, if I had to guess, I'd say Astros just because just from looking at it. I mean, I'm not a huge baseball guy, but it looks like they're a more talented team. They got more big names, more star players. Um, and all, But I do think I want the Nationals to win only because I think it will be funny if that Bryce Harper – leaves this team, gets like $7,000 million from the Phillies, and they go on to win the World Series without him after being like – I mean, before – when they had Bryce Harper, they've been one of the worst teams in the league for a while. Like, they were like stuck in no man's land for for a couple of years there. I mean, I remember they were supposed to be really good when Harper and Strasburg were like young guys, whatever. But, yeah, I think it would be good for the uh, Nationals to win. I think that would be funny, Bryce Harper losing. And also, you said earlier – that uh, a lot of people thought it was rigged, the excitement at the end of the Yankees, um, the Yankees game, Yankees-Astros game. And I'm not saying it's rigged or anything, but I was I talk a lot on this podcast about how I think the MLB does a terrible job of marketing its stars, marketing itself, and how it's they're terrible at drawing new fans in and um, making the game exciting. You need more of that stuff. That was, that was great. That was a great end to that game. Not a huge baseball guy. I was I was watching. It was very exciting. Um, yeah. So I think the more of that they have, uh, the better off they'll be. They and if there's some of that, some walk off extra inning stuff in the World Series, then it will be exciting and fun to watch. Yeah, I think a big part of the series is now the Astros. Since winning in Game Six, they didn't have to pitch Garrett Cole in Game Seven, so he'll be able to start Game One, and then Verlander can go Game Two. But then for the Nationals. Since they swept the Cardinals so easy, they haven't played in a week. So I'm going to be interested to see how uh, they swing the bats today after a week off, which usually rested teams don't do as well. I think I think it's an advantage for them, but it can easily become a disadvantage if it takes them a couple of innings to get back in the flow of things. So 
I don't know. We'll see. I think the Nationals lineup top to bottom is really underrated. I think some players are shining now with Bryce Harper going. And it, instead of Bryce Harper hogging up the three hole in the cleanup spot, you know, striking out three times a game, you got other guys like Rendon and Soto who are stepping up in those situations. So we'll see what happens. And then also back to the Yankees Astro series. I thought the Astros were very poor with runners in scoring position. Their average was really, really bad. And I just think that was not a very good played series. I think the Astros were not very good in that series, but the Yankees were just a little bit worse. So I think the Astros need to, even though they beat the Yankees, and a lot of people were saying that the World Series, which obviously I don't, th- I don't think it will be. So I, I don't know. I think the Astros, even though they beat the Yankees, who were a good team in the regular season, they still got a lot of work left to win the World Series and beat the Nationals. Yeah, and also, uh, I forgot to add this, I don't, I'm not a huge Alex Bregman fan. I think the guy's cocky and annoying, so I, I don't really want him to win either. So I guess yeah, I'm I'm pretty all, I'm all in on the Nationals as my team that I'm rooting for here. I'm not a, yeah, but I do think I mean if I had to make a prediction, I'd take Houston. Although that and uh the the stats you gave there about rest and stuff that was, was pretty interesting. So yeah, I I I'd take Houston if I was betting on this, but uh I hope the Nationals win. Uh, Houston's money line is minus two hundred tonight with uh, Garrett. He hasn't lost since May twenty second. Back to Alex Bregman. Don't you want that in baseball? Though? Don't you want guys with personality? He isn't really. Like, you he's annoying on Twitter. It's not. It's not like an entertainment thing. He's, he's like a batting average guy. That's not really fun to watch. And he's I'm not the biggest Alex Bregman fan. He he's not like exciting. He's not really. He's just a guy. Well, I mean, obviously, he's very good. Like he might win. You know, he, I think he's the favorite to win uh, MVP of the World Series. But his personality is kind of like. I don't, I don't know if we'll call it personality. It's just kind of being annoying on Twitter. Yeah, he talks to the press a lot, too. After the Yankees series, he said, uh, we knew this morning when we woke up we would be going to be watching football. That was after game six. That, that was, right, that was a good cool. quote. I, I like that. I like that. I mean, yeah, I, don't know. You need, you need, I guess you need some funny guys in baseball. Cause, but, uh, yeah, he's batting, he's batting 167 against – he's batting 167 against the Yankees. The, I don't know. He, those stats are misleading because they they pitch around them all game and they're not they don't want him to beat him. So they just he'll get walks every single time and he'll get curveballs that are way outside. And I don't. Those, he's those stats are misleading. The other teams plan for Alex Bregman not to beat them. All right, makes sense. Makes sense. All right, yeah. I just I don't know. I think he's annoying on Twitter. He's not. He like, ba- baseball needs more like stars that people like. And I guess you need a villain, but like, yeah, I don't know. He may, he makes he made guarantees in the Red Sox series last year that did not come true, and then after they they lost to the Tampa Bay Rays in Game Three in a best of five, he said they would end it in Game Four and they didn't, but they won in Game Five anyway. Well, yeah, see, I don't know. He, uh, he he might need to tone down the cockiness a little bit. I don't know. I, I'm just not a huge Alex Bregman fan, so I'm 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 rooting for the Nationals. I made that pretty clear. Go Nationals. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say for the MLBU. Uh yes, I think that that's that's all I got for now. All right, moving on to our NBA preview picks thing. Uh yeah, you can you you can start off the NBA. You can go wherever you all want right. with it. So first, I mean, I think we should talk about who we think will should win the championship, uh, or who we think is going to win the championship. My pick originally, um, I think a lot of people were sleeping on the Warriors. Um, although it came out today that Clay Thompson's probably out for the year. Uh, I originally it was said that he was going to come back in like February, March. And I'd, I'd say I was thinking that he'd be perfectly ready to go and integrated back, integrated with the team uh, come playoff time. 
and I still thought that they were probably the most talented and deep team in the West, and that would make them the most talented team in the league because the East is terrible. Um, but without Clay Thompson, I mean, I think he's probably one of the more underrated players in the entire NBA. Uh, I don't love my Warriors' original prediction of Warriors, even though they have D'Angelo Russell now, who I love. And I love Steph Curry. I love watching him play. So I still think the Warriors will be very good, but – Championship prediction, I'm probably going to have to go with the Los Angeles Clippers. Pretty boring, but that's the NBA for you. Um, yeah, I just think the Clippers are probably the best team right now in the NBA. Who are you taking the championship? Uh, before before we get that, don't you think that's like a, that's fake, that Steve Kerr is just saying that Clay Thompson's not going to be there, and then all of a sudden he's going to show up and be there in the Warriors? I mean, I hope so. I, if Clay Thompson comes back happen? from the playoffs, the Warriors, I think we're going to win the championship. How does he know already that Clay Thompson's not going to come back? That's a good point. He could just be saying that, and also, he could just be, he could just be fooling out the whole. Clay, Clay's Clay's the type of guy that like would want to come back early, you know. Like Clay's not the type of guy to just want to sit out. Clay wants Clay likes to win. Um, so that's a good point. I think you know in that my my reason why I thought the Warriors would be the best team in the league is everyone's talking about the Clippers who have two. Like the NBA is obviously a superstar driven league. Like the team with the most superstars usually wins. The Raptors were an exception last year, but I mean, Siakam and Van Fleet were playing like all stars. So, if you have the most, the team with the most top level talent wins nine times out of ten. Um, and the Warriors would have two guys who I think are top ten players in the league, uh, including a guy who's probably a top three player in the league in Curry, in my opinion. Um, and then they'd pick up D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell, who's an all star point guard. Uh, I mean, Kerr would easily be able to work him into that offense. Jack up threes, good playmaker. Um, and then they got Draymond, probably the best defensive player in the game. So that's still four all-star talents, two of which are, like, superstar elite players. And I know there's other teams, like, the Lakers have two guys. The Clippers have two guys. I mean, the Clippers bench is good or whatever, but, um, yeah. And then everyone out east is kind of irrelevant. Like, I, I don't know. It's So I thought – I think the Warriors had the most uh, elite talent on their team, but without Clay Thompson – I'm gonna to have to go Clippers probably. Yeah, the the exact quote from Steve Kerr uh, was, "It's unlikely that he's going to play this year, so we have to understand that. You have to look at it realistically. I had an ACL tear in college, and I missed a whole season. Generally, an ACL tear for a basketball player is a full year recovery, and if it's a full year for Clay, that puts him out for the whole season. So he's just talking in terms of like generalities. That's, that's true. He's not he's not saying exa- I don't know. So I I think Clay will be back. I don't really know who I'm going to pick for the Western Conference. I'm kind of leaning towards the Dallas Mavericks, to be honest. I'm going for the Dallas Mavericks to come out of the Western Conference with Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic taking over the Western Conference. I think Luka Doncic will make a huge improvement from his uh, impressive rookie season. Add in the uh, free free agent acquisition of Seth Curry draining threes on the outside. Every single every team needs a three-point wing shooter, and Seth Curry can be that. Looking at the Western Conference, I think there's a lot of uh, – a lot of flaws on each team. I I can't. I don't have enough time to go through all the flaws, but my bold prediction in the Western Conference is that the Portland Trailblazers do not make the playoffs this year. I think last year in the playoffs they had a deep run, and they're just going to be fatigued. And this year they're going to start off slow. Some injuries, and I think I think Portland's going to miss the playoffs. Clippers are a solid pick, but I haven't, I haven't seen them play together, so I have no idea how good they're going to be. And I, and they're they're the Clippers, so I, I don't know. Lakers, they're they're old. They're not. They're too slow. They're not going to make it uh, through the playoffs. Houston, three-point shooting will not get them through the playoffs. Westbrook and Harden will have fights in the court. They'll play no defense. 
And then you look at the Jazz and the Nuggets. I mean, those are two small market teams. Might win a round or two in the playoffs, but I think I think the Mavs and, and you can never count out Cuban to making a late late trade to improve the team at the deadline. You know, Mavs sitting in sixth or seventh, Cuban puts them over the top of the late trade to add to Kristaps and Doncic. So I'm kind of banking on that. <laughs> then for the Eastern Conference, I have the Raptors going back to the NBA Finals for a couple of reasons. I think the Greek Freak can easily be defended by a wall. So even though Kawhi is not there, you're going to still put Siakam, Ibaka, and uh, Gasol in a wall, and they'll stop the Greek Freak. And the Bucks lost uh, Malcolm Brogdon. And then the 76ers, they've never won anything. So all the pressure on a potential Eastern Conference Finals matchup between the Raptors and the Sixers, all the pressure will be on the 76ers because the Toronto Raptors, they got the monkey off their back. They, they've been there. They've done it. They have championship-winning players on their team. 76ers have not won anything in their life. The whole city will expect them to win for really no apparent reason <laughs> just because they lost the process. So I'm going with the Toronto Raptors to get back to the NBA Finals, and I think I'm going to go with the Toronto Raptors repeat in the NBA Finals over the Dallas Mavericks and Mark Cuban. Dallas Mavericks are still one or two years away from winning the championship. And then Toronto last year, everyone will say they lost Kawhi, and yeah, Kawhi is probably the best player in the game, but they were like 22-5 and five without him last year. Whenever Kawhi was out of the lineup, they had a great record. So you take – into account they'll be playing with freedom and no expectations. I think the Toronto Raptors will get back to the NBA Finals and win it. Only if Masai Ujiri doesn't trade his players that have one year left on the contract, like Marcus Saul and Serge Ibaka. They have to keep those two players. If Ujiri doesn't trade those, goes to another title run, I think they can do it. I'm going to go with the Toronto Raptors over the Dallas wow, Mavericks. Wow, that would be, be quite the storyline. That would be Toronto Raptors versus Clippers would be even better, to be honest. But um, I, I don't hate the Raptors pick. I'm going to talk about my opinion on the East real quick. Um, I mean, I like, Greek Freak's kind of my guy in the East. Uh, not, I'm not like a bandwagon fan. I just think he's nasty. Um, like, I, I, I just think Greek Freak's probably the best player in the East. So, I'm, I'll am i probably say safe pick again. Bucks are probably going to win the East. Although, I don't hate the Raptors pick, honestly. I think a lot of people are asleep on them. Like you said, no expectations. Um, the 76ers are a bad organization. That team is built very poorly. They have like nine big men now. Um, I don't know who's playing point guard for them. Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. No coach. Yeah, no coach. I will never, ever put anything on Ben Simmons. I'll never count on him for anything because that guy is he's, – he's not good. So, I'm going to say the 76ers are uh, second-round exit again probably. Don't really know who they're going to lose to, but I, they're just not a very good team. Um, the Celtics lost Kyrie, obviously, lost Horford. Um I like Cantor. I like him a lot. I think he'll be a good player for the Celtics. Kemba, big Kemba fan. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't think he's going to, like, bring this team to the Eastern Conference Finals or anything. But I think the Celtics will be better than they were last year. Which isn't saying much, but they won 49 games last year. I think they'll probably improve. I think the Celtics will be a really good regular season team. Uh, postseason time, I don't really know how good they'll do. They're pretty inexperienced. A lot of guys, who are, uh, like Tatum's going to want the ball a ton this year. His contracts, uh He's due for a contract extension in the next year or two, so I'm assuming he's gonna want to stats up. Um, can't like they got it's a, they have a weird dynamic on the Celtics, um, but I mean Stevens has shown that he's a he's a good coach when the team has no expectations and there's no like big egos on the team, and I don't really think anyone on the team right now has a huge ego. Um, although you never know with the NBA, you never know what can happen. Um, but I don't think the, I think the Celtics will be better than last year. 
not saying much, but still, I think they'll be a good regular season team. So I can actually see, I can see the Celtics being the best team in the East in the regular season. Um, but yeah, and then elsewhere in the East, I think the Nets actually are going to miss playoffs. It's my bold prediction. Kyrie and Kyrie sucks, and he's surrounded by a bunch of bums uh, without KD. So when the Nets miss playoffs, Kyrie here first. Um, yeah, the rest of the East is terrible. Actually, I think the Knicks are going to be better than people think. And the Miami Heat have Jimmy Baller now, but they're irrelevant. So I'll, I'll say Heat get like seven or eight seed. Yeah. All right. So so the Nets made the playoffs last year as a six seed. These were the seven teams that didn't make the playoffs. So you need one of these seven to replace the Nets. The Hornets, the Heat, the Wizards, the Hawks, the Bulls, the Cavaliers, or the Knicks. Who's replacing I, the Nets? I think in the, the Heat playoffs? and the Knicks will make playoffs. Then how are the Knicks making the playoffs? They're not a bad team. Portis and Randall and them, they're all good players. The Nets have a ton of like the Nets the Nets kinda are or the Knicks, I mean, uh remind me of they kinda built like the Celtics were a couple years ago when they were like trash and then two years later they made playoffs and they lost in the first round. So they just got a lot of like uh B minus players that are gonna work really hard to prove people wrong, I think. I, I like the Knicks to be honest. This this that could be a bad take in a couple months, but uh, I think the Knicks are going to make playoffs. I think the Nets might be the worst team in the league this year. That team is so poorly constructed. Kyrie Irving is going to literally take 55 shots a game, and that guy is not that good. Kyrie might shoot 25% this year. He's going to take jack up fadeaway threes 15 times a game, and nobody plays defense on that team. Who's the second-best player in the Nets right now? Jared Allen? Joe Harris? DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan, his game doesn't. His game was built from 1985. What can DeAndre Jordan do? <laughs> Hit a layup. That team is terrible. I I don't know. I can't. All right, worst team in the league it's is so the trash. But I, I don't. Nets, I think are going to miss playoffs. That's my bold, bold prediction. I don't think they're a good team, and I think they're going to be. I don't even. Their coach is not going to know what to do with Kyrie. That guy has never coached anyone with an ego. He's not going to have any idea what to do with Kyrie. When Kerry doesn't get his 50 shots in game one, he's going to throw a tantrum. Uh, might fake an injury to sit out some games. A lot of load management for that guy. Um, and the entire season, they're just going to use Kevin Durant not being there as an excuse. They're all playing for next year. And then next year, KD's going to come back 30-something off a of torn Achilles. Not going to be the same. They're going to pick up some overrated free agent. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the Nets are going to be any good. I, this is just a poorly constructed team. They screwed up their rebuild badly. They, uh, yeah, they, they, they tried to accelerate the rebuild at the wrong time and signing a guy with a torn Achilles. I don't care how good you are. It's a stupid strategy. Um, yeah, I think the Nets screwed up. Yeah, I think, I think they'll make the playoffs. The Eastern Conference is, is very, very bad. You can say what you want about Kyrie, but he's a top 10 player in the Eastern Conference. I, I don't know. I don't know about that. That'll, that'll get you into the playoffs. And the teams that they finished above, Orlando and Detroit, those teams are even worse. Bradley, Bradley Beal so might I, I be better than Kyrie, and he's in the same situation. Situation. Why not Wizards? Wizards are probably Wizards and Nets are pretty similarly constructed teams. One good guard that jacks up fifty shots a game, injured guy who's supposed to be good, and a bunch of crap. I <laughs> Wizards, Wizards and Nets are like the same thing, and the Wizards didn't make playoffs last year. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Uh, moving over to the uh, Western Conference again. We're going to talk about Zion Williamson's injury for the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, he had surgery on his torn meniscus in his knee. He's going to be out for like six to eight weeks, and they're going to be cautious with him, and they're not going to rush him back. And I just 
I think it's a bad sign for Zion. He's already injury prone. How are you, I don't know how at 19 he has a torn meniscus after not playing. He played one summer league game and he got hurt. Played a couple of preseason games and he's torn a meniscus. I just don't see how he's ever going to put a stretch of like five NBA games together without getting hurt. And then, you know, the NBA schedule comes out like way in advance and they're putting all these New Orleans Pelican games on national television where Zion's not even going to be playing. So tonight they're playing in the opener against uh, Toronto. They play Friday night against Dallas, which is on ESPN. Then they play uh, against Denver in another week against on TNT. Then they play Toronto in a couple more Fridays on ESPN. They play the Clippers uh, on TNT. So it's just, I don't know, it's just bad look for the league that they put all these Pelican games on national television when Zion Williamson's not even playing. And all these Pelican, I don't know, fans, I guess <laughs> you want to call them, buying tickets to the, go to the Smoothie King Center to see, uh, let's just say, Monday, October 28th, when they play Golden State at home, all these Pelican fans think they're going to see Steph Curry versus Zion. And then a couple of days before the season starts, Zion's out for three months and he's not going to be rushed back. So who knows if he's even going to play before Christmas. So I just think this is bad for the league. It's, maybe it's one of his most hyped players, it's a rookie, and big marketing behind him. And he's not even going to be on the court for, I don't know, start the season 30 games and he'll miss? I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree there. That's, that's just bad for the league. And also, I think – this NBA season, a lot of people on Twitter, like all the Bill Simmons kind of guys, like Shea Serrano, all these big-name sports writers hyping this up as the best uh, best NBA season in, like, like a very long time, at least. Like, this is this is supposed to be an unreal season because there's so many teams that could contend. But in reality, there's, like, I think there's probably, like, four or five teams that could actually really, truly contend for a championship. Most of them are in California. Um, and I think the East is so boring this year that – if you're a fan on the East Coast, like, nobody's staying up for these 10-30 LeBron-Kawhi games, really. Like, I mean, people will, but not many. So, I think I think the hype around this NBA season, is, um, I think it's overhyped. And, obviously, like you said, with Zion not going to be playing, that takes away uh, a lot of, like, 8 p.m. primetime games that we would have seen. Um, and nobody really wants to watch, like, like Lonzo versus John Moran, like, great i i don't i have no desire to watch that like lonzo versus devin booker i don't it's just there's pelicans are on national tv way too much and i love lonzo but he's not good enough to be uh the guy on the national televised game for to attract viewers so i think the nba kind of screwed up this year um giving the pelicans all these games and i think the east doesn't really have a marquee team anymore with Kawhi out of toronto and I mean, the Bucks don't. Nobody really watches the Bucks, and they're Midwest, so they don't really play that too many uh, early primetime games. And Kyrie out of Boston, that that takes away national viewers from Boston games. The Knicks didn't land anybody. It's just I don't know. The the East is going to be very boring, and I think that's going to hurt viewership on the East Coast because all the good games are going to be at ten thirty, and um, the unpredictability of the NBA that doesn't exist. That's being a lot of people are saying that this year NBA season can be very unpredictable. Which you, I mean, you can't deny that there's no clear favorite like there has been in the past. But it's still the same old NBA that struggles with parity that really only has a couple of contenders. Um, and at the end of the day, I think it's probably going to be LeBron or Kawhi holding the trophy. And, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I'm not buying into the Lakers. Who thinks gonna win the uh, MVP? My MVP pick is Steph Curry. I think he's got the, probably the clearest path to being on like a top top five, top four in his conference team. Without Clay, he'll probably get a 
without Clay and KD, he's going to get a ton of touches. I mean, with before KD got there, the guy went back-to-back MVPs, first unanimous MVP ever. Um, so I think Steph Curry is probably going to get the ball a lot. I think he's going to take a ton of shots. And Steph Curry's nasty. His stats are going to be – I mean, he's probably going to have, like, again, one of the, another ridiculously efficient season. Stat guys love that, and that's kind of what chooses MVP nowadays. Got the guy with the crazy efficient stats and um, all the advanced analytics and stuff. Uh, so I think Steph Curry is my MVP pick. How about you? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Greek Freak. I think uh, I was gonna go James Harden, but I think Russell Westbrook's gonna get in his way. I don't think Kawhi's gonna play enough games. LeBron will get hurt again. He's old. Uh, Anthony Davis is also injury prone. So I'm gonna go with. Uh, Greek freak against the weak Eastern Conference, averaging uh, a lot of points, a lot of rebounds, and a lot of assists. Yeah, I don't. I like that pick too. I just, I don't know. I think I Steph the. Uh, I feel like the analytics guys love Steph Curry there. That's my pick there. And analytics on Twitter and stuff kind of rules the NBA at this point, stats wise. So, um, yeah, that's why I'm going Steph. Any other any other bold predictions? Uh no. Um. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got for – oh, also, Jalen Brown contract extension, that is awful. Four years, $115 million total, uh, like $29 million a year, I think. That is – what is he – he's done nothing to deserve that. I know you can go off with this. This He has done nothing to deserve that. He's been a very mediocre player at best in his NBA career, and he's talked about as like a two-way guy to play great defense. Literally, every time anyone pump fakes, this guy falls for it and completely whiffs and then gets dunked on. He, he is not good defensively and offensively cannot. I've never seen him dribble into a three before in my entire life. He's a catch and shoot guy that rarely hits the catch and shoot threes. And he can't really dribble. He can't. It's not like he can make like he can get by any guys with his dribbling or anything. Uh, he can dunk in an empty gym in the summer, I guess. And that's about it. I, I don't see the hype on Jalen Brown. He also breaks so many layups every game. He always goes for these like, one on six layups, like you're one on five layups, like he's Michael Jordan in his prime, just absolutely clanks off the rim and then complains for a foul. Jalen Brown is not very good. Um, I know Celtics fans really love him, but if I mean that's only because he was the third overall pick, and uh, Celtics fans don't really have a lot to hang on to at this point. Uh, Danny Ainge kind of blew that team up, ruined the team. So I don't know. I really don't understand that extension, especially when guys who have put up way better numbers than him at the same exact age are getting ridiculously way cheaper contracts than him. It just doesn't – this contract makes no sense to me. Yeah, Buddy Heald got way, uh, a little bit less than him too, and he's older. To think that Jalen Brown, he's 22 or 23 now, you're going to have to re-sign him again in four years for – you probably even want even more money. So that's just a terrible he, – he rejected four, four years for uh, $80 million and now Danny Age goes straight to 115 that- I mean, that's just – that's terrible negotiating. How do you – how do you go up thirty-five million for no reason? Jalen Jalen Brown only started twenty-five games for the Celtics last year. This guy's not a, a yeah. regular rotation player. I mean, he was a regular. He's not even a regular starter for this team. Only played twenty-five. And when he played, he wasn't that good. Shot forty-six percent, not bad. Thirty-four from three, but thirteen points a game. Then four rebounds, one assist, uh, less than one steal, no blocks really, and turned the ball over. He turned the ball over more than he stole. More than he. Uh, Got the ball back on defense. So I don't. This guy is this, yeah. he's a very inefficient, not a great player. Uh, he's not really a modern NBA player, I don't think, because he can't dribble, can't shoot off the dribble. Uh, doesn't really have a mid-range game or anything. He's just I don't know. I'm not a fan of 
this signing at all. Yeah, career career points per game for a shooting guard slash small forward is not worth twenty nine million dollars a year. People say he has potential, but he's never going to be a all star year in year out. He's going to be an all star maybe one one or two times in his career, and that might that might even be as like a reserve. He'll never make like all NBA teams. Yeah, maybe all NBA first team. He'll make it once or twice, but to give twenty nine million for potential what he could be seven years from now and the four-year contract doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. And especially because, I mean, he's going to be definitely behind Kemba and Tatum in touches and then Hayward's probably going to get the ball a lot just because Stevens likes him and he's, he's making a crap ton of money and they got to justify that somehow. So that's that's uh, three guys that are already going to get the ball more than him and then Cantor's going to want a lot of touches on offense. That guy's always throughout his entire career has been um, a very, like, he's gotten the ball a good amount on offense no matter where he's been even as a role player. Um and then the Celtics have some other young guys off the bench that are gonna want the ball. I don't. I just don't think Jalen Brown's gonna get enough touches to ever, ever, even get a chance to put up stats to warrant this contract. Never mind the fact that even if he did get those touches, he probably wouldn't be good enough to warrant this contract. I just think, I just think it was a bad, bad signing. And also, he regressed from his uh, second year to his third year. He got, he played so much worse uh, last year than he did two years ago. So I, it's just. I don't know. It's just it's a bad sign. He's not a good shooter at all. Um and he's he's not a good locker room guy either. I mean you can say whatever you want about Kyrie, but him and Kyrie got into it all the time and he got into it with the coaches and the rest of the team players. So you're not paying twenty nine million to a guy that everybody likes and everybody respects on the team. So I don't know. If Jason if Jalen uh what's his name? Jason Tatum sees that Jalen Brown's getting twenty nine million bucks a year, then what's Tatum gonna yeah, thirty? Tatum making a max off this and it's just a bad precedent, and you're going to go into the luxury tax pay- paying Jalen Brown $29 million bucks a year. It just makes yeah, no and sense. And the idea that Jalen Brown's a good defensive player is the most overhyped, made-up thing I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen that guy make, like, a very good defensive play. I just, it just doesn't happen. He all, all I see is him getting burnt on pump fakes and these mediocre dribble moves by backup uh, shooting guards in the Wizards. It's, it's dumb. Jalen Brown is a role player at best on a good NBA team. Uh, giving this guy a ton of money because of his potential to be a good player because he's pretty athletic. I mean, that's that's how bad franchises become bad franchises. I think Danny Ainge has done a very bad job of assembling this roster over the last couple of years. I mean, he was gifted a free dynasty by the Nets, uh, and he kind of just squandered it. Tatum's a good player. I think he'll be a good player. And obviously the team now is solid, but they're not going to win a championship probably unless Tatum and Jalen Brown – and other young guys make huge leaps. Uh, Ennis Cannon learns how to play defense. And Kemba is like just plays better than he ever has before. And I just that's not likely to happen. And even then, they're probably overmatched by a lot of teams in the West. So it's it's I I don't know. I feel like Danny Ainge just kind of squandered his opportunity. And the worst part about it is, I mean, Kawhi Leonard was on the trade block for uh, what's his name, DeRozan, who isn't that great. Can't shoot a three. He's a he's like a twenty eight year old shooting guard that can only shoot a mid range. And when the best player in the NBA is on the trade block, you I don't care about his risk of leaving after a year. Uh, Ujiri made the move for him, and it turned out to be the best move that, that guy's ever made. I don't understand why Danny couldn't pull the trigger there. Um, I would much rather have Kawhi in a chance at a championship for one year than Tatum for the next fifteen years because rings matter more than anything else. Uh, you're a GM in Boston. You're not a GM in Charlotte. You make that move 10 times out of 10. Um, same with Anthony Davis. He was on the block, and 
you you're afraid that he's going to leave after a year so you don't make the move and that's soft that's how you that's that's like that's i don't know that's second rate team gming that's that's a small market gm you're a gm in boston uh where you win championships you make that move and the celtics did not make those moves and now they're going to be slightly above average for the next decade or so probably yeah, I, I agree with all that. Uh, moving on to uh, Monday Night Football. I don't have much to say about Monday Night Football's game last night before I turn it over to you. The one thing I do want to say is I don't know how the Jets mic up Sam Darnold and the coach Adam Gase. That was just – that was awful. Sam Darnold, after four picks and three fumbles, is saying that he's seeing ghosts. <laughs> that's, a, that's such a bad look for the Jets. <laughs> I, you, just should, you should not be miking up your quarterback. You should just tell ESPN, no, we, we're not doing this right now. Even if it's like contractual – contractually you're obliged to do it. that's just bad and then there was this conversation right before halftime the Jets were down 24 nothing, and they have the ball at the 45 and the coach is telling Sam you know if we get a touchdown here we get the ball start the second half and we get another touchdown we're gonna be right back in the game and you know the score here and we're gonna get the ball we're right uh, it's just so it's just a terrible <laughs> conversation two plays or a minus two yard rush throw the ball out of bounds <laughs> punt turnover I don't know what happened but it did not turn into a 24 to 14 game which the rest of America was expecting which the rest of America knew what was going to happen, and um, Adam Gase is the only person thinking it's going to be twenty four fourteen in the next ten <laughs> minutes. And Darnold saying, "Yeah, coach, yeah, coach," and then Booger has to Booger McFarlane has to say, "Oh, I love what Adam Gase is doing, pulling aside his young quarterback, talking to him through the game plan." It's just it's awful. <laughs> and yes, Sam Darnold played really bad, but the coaching staff did not put him in a position to succeed at all. I'm not a big football X and O's guy. But the Patriots always blitzed one more than the Jets had the block, <laughs> and it was just—it was impossible for the quarterback to do anything. He was there in three seconds, and the receivers—they're not the best receivers. They're dropping passes, can't get open. They have no time to get open, and there's not, no time to throw. And it's just—it was just awful. And it was a complete coaching mismatch and complete quarterback mismatch. And ESPN obviously did a great job making up Sam Darnold in a train wreck performance. But the Jets could have protected future quarterback a little bit better than what they did last night yeah I agree with everything you said there I mean I've I've uh said many times on this podcast in the past that Adam Gase and Sam Darnold are probably my I think they're probably two of the worst uh one of the worst probably the worst coach in the NFL right now one of at least and one of the worst starting QBs in the NFL and I think Sam Darnold is a bust and last night was uh honestly it was it was great to watch as a Sam Darnold and Adam Gase and overall just New York Jets hater and Patriots fan but, yeah, the mic'd up thing, I mean, Adam Gase is – and people are, like, offended. Like, they're like, oh, the NFL, like, screwed us putting that out there. Like, they shouldn't have put that out there. But, like, you knew he was going to be mic'd up. Why would you mic – especially a game against the best defense in the league, one of the better defenses we've seen in a very long time in the Patriots. You know, the New York Jets, and I don't, it's, I don't know how they didn't – it was just a dumb, dumb planning. I don't really know how it works, how the mic'd up thing works, who how they choose who gets mic'd up and who's – who can say no and stuff? But like you said, it was just—it's just a stupid, stupid situation for the Jets to put Darnold in. And also, you sent me a picture before the game of uh, Belichick complimented Gase, calling him one of the better game planners in the league or something like that. And this guy didn't—I don't know how you can watch the Patriots the last three weeks and not see that they blitz like very, very often, especially against young quarterbacks. That's what they've done the last fifteen years. They blitz a ton against young QBs. That's what they do. That's what all, most teams do. And you don't, you're completely shocked when they blitz an extra guy every single play and you're caught off guard and you're trying to run these deep balls to Robbie Anderson that Darnold's either throwing directly to one of the McCourty brothers, fucking 55 yards out of bounds. And 
I don't know. Like like you said, I don't understand how the Jets could not adjust and just throw another guy in there to block or something. It was just it was unbelievable. And uh, getting to Sam Darnold, that guy, that guy's he wasn't good in college. He had one good like eight game stretch his first year as a starter, and then his second year as a starter, you regressed in every single category. Regressed as a player completely, and in big games against actual good teams like Notre Dame, uh, he got completely shut down and looked terrible and did not look like a future NFL quarterback at all. But the Jets take the USC quarterback because they love USC QBs that aren't very good, like Mark Sanchez, third overall. And he was bad as a rookie, but Jets fans were holding on to like week 17 crap that he was, he threw like a couple nice passes at the end of the year. So they're claiming that this guy is the future of the league and always the best young QB in the league, all that crap on Twitter. And completely ridiculous. I got a many Twitter fight with uh, Jets fans over the summer over how bad their quarterback was when they were telling me this guy is the future of the league after throwing, like, 15 picks and 17 touchdowns or something as a rookie and fumbling seven times. Um, and he comes back tonight, turns the ball over five times for last night. Didn't surprise me at all. I'm sure some people were surprised, but that's the Sam Darnold I know and love. Turnover machine, gets rattled easily, Not doesn't have a good strong arm, can't run very fast, not an accurate passer, not a smart player. He just has no tools, no nothing. There's nothing to build off him if he wanted to be a future franchise QB. That guy has does not have it. He just doesn't have it. There's no nothing there. So I don't understand the hype around him. And after last night, I'm pretty confident saying that Sam Darnold will be probably back up on like the Broncos or something, or just out of the league for like four years at the most. Yeah, I don't know. You can you can say the Patriots do well against young quarterbacks, but the young quarterbacks have to take responsibility for their performances. You can't just say, oh, we played the Patriots. That's why he played bad. Yeah, I agree. And it's not like Darnold was good against other teams, and they're like, oh, it's the number one defense in the league. That's why he did bad. Darnold sucked against everyone he's played. And you can use mono as an excuse all you want. If mono is holding you back from playing, well, don't play. Uh, it's just, I don't know. And also the Jets are – Adam Gase is the modern-day Jeff Fisher. That guy's walking 7-9 and nine or worse. Uh, somehow keeps getting jobs, even though he's literally accomplished nothing in his NFL career. He's actually – I saw a stat today. He has won – he he has played – I forget how many games he's head coached in the NFL, but he has the exact same number of double-digit losses as he does wins. So he's equally as likely to lose by double-digit points as he is to win a game as a head coach. And that's embarrassing. I don't understand how he got hired, and he definitely should not be the coach following this year. Um, but I hope the – Keep them only because it just makes the Patriots' lives easier. And it's fun to watch. That's implode. So, yeah, Adam Gase, bad coach. I, terrible hire from the beginning. Been saying it all summer. Yeah, that's, that's all I got on uh, Monday night. All right. Um, anything else or is that it? Uh, that's it. All right. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at biased underscore underscore opinion. We'll tweet every time we have a new episode. Thanks for listening.